Can you imagine your brother coming to you and saying, I have met the one that our forefathers have talked about? This is what happened with Simon when Andrew heard John the Baptist preaching and he saw Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew, he went and he went to Simon, his brother, brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he changed his name to Peter. Then Peter and Andrew, they went back to the family business. They were fishing one day. And this same Jesus went to Peter's boat and he made a pulpit. Can you see it? And he stood in the boat and he began to preach. And after he was preaching his sermon, he told Peter to launch out and cast his net on the other side. And that fisherman looked at the preacher and the teacher and he said, look, I've been toiling all the night. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down a net. And when he let down a net, that great master fisherman, Jesus, caused all the fish to come into that net. There were so many fish that he had to call his partners, James and John. And can you see them struggling because Jesus did a boat sinking miracle. Let me ask you a question. What happens when Jesus shows himself Lord over the thing you think you mastered? <laughs> what happens when Jesus gets in your boat? And then Jesus looks at two sets of brothers. He looks at a family on mission and he says, follow me. They left everything, even their father, and they followed Jesus. I would like to preach a series for three weeks entitled family on mission. What would happen to this Peter? Let us go to the true story recorded about Jesus's life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It was recorded by a tax collector. Yeah, he was a hustler. How many are grateful that God still uses hustlers? I'm grateful. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Let's go to Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. Matthew, how many are grateful for the prayer breakfast that happened? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. I thank God for Sister Cookie. I thank God for Cookie. I thank God for Deborah, Minister Deborah, and all those who labor. Let me do something real quick. If you labor behind the scenes, I know people don't like when I do that, but I like to give honor to whom honor is due. Watch this, because churches gravitate to what you celebrate, and I want to celebrate those that were serving in secret. If you were serving in secret, could you just stand up real quick? We want to celebrate the Lord for you. If you were serving, come on, Cookie, stand up. I know you don't like it. Stand up. Yeah, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Minister Deborah, thank you. Thank you so much for your labor of love. Amen. I want us to be a church that serves for the audience of one. And they serve for the audience of one. I'm so grateful. Come on, let's go to the true story recorded by Matthew that details Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The gospel. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And when you get there, say, Lord, put my family on mission. Amen. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. Who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter 
replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I would like to preach a message entitled, what are you made of? Will you do me a favor? Will you help me announce the title of this message? Will you look at someone and just ask them the question, what are you made of? What are you made of? What are you made of? In our text, we see Jesus using his setting for his sermon. In our text, we see Jesus using the atmosphere as an illustration. Jesus Christ, he's walking in a city that was a big rock and he realizes that it was built for a man who thought he was a god, Caesar, for a man who was a king, Philip, Caesarea Philippi. It was about 100 feet high, this big rock. And Jesus goes to a little rock and tells him he's going to do big things. He uses his setting as a sermon. And then he begins to ask a question. I believe it's the greatest question that was asked of all time by the greatest man that ever lived. The question he asks is, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street about me? And they said, look, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. It would be the cultural equivalent to what people say about Jesus today. There are some that say that he was just a prophet. There are others that say he was just a good teacher. There are others that say he was the spirit brother of Lucifer. There are some that say he was just a God. Uh, there are some that say many things about him. It would be the cultural equivalent of what world religions and cults say. See, Islam, they say he's Isa, the healing one. Ah, there are many people that have a word on the street about Jesus. Isn't it interesting that all of humanity hinges on this one question, the deity of Christ? And so we see here in the text, Jesus turns his attention and he says, yeah, I heard what they say, but what do you say? Interesting. He says, who do you say that I am? And if you don't mind, I just want to take a praise break, if I may. Is there somebody in here that will say, I know him, I know him, I know him? Yeah, I know I got a witness today. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that Peter is the first one that speaks up. Isn't it something that you can be walking with Jesus and not really know who he is? Coming to church, but not know who he is. Have a title, but not know who he is. But I'm wondering if I have a witness that came on a Sunday morning that says, I know him. I know him. I know him. I don't know about him. I know him. I'm not living off my grandmama's faith. I know him. I'm not living off of my big mama's faith. I know him. I'm wondering if I have a witness today that will say, I know him. I know him. I know him. I'm not living off of my cousin's faith. I'm not living off of my spouse's faith. Chosen young people, you cannot live off of your parents' faith. But I'm wondering if I have a witness in here. Somebody that can say, I know him. 
I know him. I know him. I'm wondering if someone came this morning and say, I know he's a way maker. I know he's a promise keeper. I know he's the light out in the darkness. He's my God. He's my God. Yes, I have the theological understanding, but I want to talk to you about the experiential understanding that I met him like Moses on the backside of the mountain. I met him like Paul on my road to Damascus. I met him in a crack house in a drug house. Come on now. Do I have somebody that says, I know him. I know him. I know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Come on now. Do I have somebody in here that says, I know him. I know him. I know him. I heard that the Old Testament told me that he would come and die for me. How many know that he's the one that was the very preparation of the Old Testament? The manifestation of the Gospels for the Word was made flesh and He dwelt among us and we beheld Him, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. And then Paul took his time in the epistles to explain Him and then the Revelation talks about the consummation of Him. How many know that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was made flesh? How many know that all of the book, it tells us about the Word? Everything is about who He once was and He is and that He's coming back soon. Come on, put your hands together if you would say, I know him. Oh, yes, I do. Uh -huh, I know him. Who do men say that I am? And Peter gets a revelation that Jesus affirms. He gets a revelation and Jesus looks at him and says, hold on, Peter. What you're saying has nothing to do with man-made teaching. What you're saying has nothing to do with something you read in school. Oh, what you, you said has everything to do with where I'm from. Uh, you, you, you're talking about heaven now, Peter. You're talking about my father must have given you that. And Jesus affirms Peter saying that Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the yoke destroyer. He's affirming that he is the one whom all of the prophets talked about. He's the one that Moses was a type and a foreshadow of. He's the one that Ruth articulates as the kinsman redeemer. So what happens is Peter says you are the Messiah. You are the Mashiach. You are the anointed one. And then Jesus says, flesh and blood did not give this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Then he says, look, you are called Peter. And on this rock, what's the rock? Remember, they are on a big rock in a city that was built by a man who thought he was a god by a man who was a king. And Jesus is revealing to a little rock that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the only wise God, that he is God the son. And he says to Peter, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my ecclesia or ecclesia. I will build my group of called out people that are free. Uh, it's a political term. Yes, it is. It's a term that would have meant uh, if they, when they heard this term, when they heard church, they would have understood it as a political group of people that have been set apart, called out, but have rights to be able to exercise authority. Yeah. The church. It's not how me and you think of it. I think if we invited Jesus to church today, we would have to explain to him many things. When he says church, they would have understood a group of people that there were no 
illegal aliens nor immigrants. There were no slaves nor servants. But they all had equality and they had political power. (laughs) Ah, Isaiah said it like this. He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the increase of his government would have no end. How many are grateful that Jesus is establishing things right now? Whether we like it or not, he is establishing things. Nobody can veto him. Nobody can impeach him. He doesn't need you to vote for him. He is the one that has all power and all authority. He doesn't need you to give him any single credit because everything will cry out to him. All the angels will adore him. Heaven and earth bows before him. And if you don't cry out, guess what? There is no single rock that can take even your place or his place because he is the king of kings, the lord of lords, the ancient of days. And if you don't cry out, I'm telling you, he will make all of heaven bow before him because he is God. He is king. He is lord. He is master, redeemer. He is the one that once was and is and is to come. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, you don't have to praise him. It's okay. He's getting glory right now. Uh Uh-huh. You can join in if you want to, but he's going to get his glory anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So he says, upon this rock, I will build. Interesting. He says, I'm going to build a promised people. I'm going to build a people of promise. The church is a people group. It's a people group that have been redeemed, a people group that have been washed, a people group that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he says, the gates of will not prevail against you. He's saying nothing in heaven nor on earth can stop what I'm going to do through my church. Isn't that amazing that God can use somebody like me and somebody like you? To give him glory, Paul said it like this. Many of you were not noble. You didn't come from good families. Come on now. If you would really begin to tell people really what you came from, you would be embarrassed. But how many know that I got a testimony today? Y'all, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be a drug dealer. I grew up on the east side of Detroit. And only a mighty God can snatch me out of the pit and put me in a pulpit. There is nobody like the God that I serve. I'm wondering if I have a witness today that can say, if you knew what I knew, you would be praised. Sing him for me. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. What is Jesus teaching us? Jesus is teaching us he built his church for victory. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. He built you for victory. What is Jesus teaching us here? He's teaching us that he has built his church for victory. Some of you may say, Pastor, I'm in darkness right now. I want to tell you he can be a marvelous light. Some of you will say, Pastor, I'm on a crooked way. He can make your way straight. Some of you may say, Pastor, I'm in a rough way. He can make your way smooth. Some of you may say, I'm just a sheep that have gone astray. I want to tell you he's a good 
shepherd. I wanted some of you may say, Pastor, my whole life is falling apart right now. I want to tell you that he is a carpenter and he is attracted to your dilapidation. He's attracted to the fact that you're falling apart because our God, he can put his hands on your mess and make a miracle. Some of you may say, Pastor, you don't understand how messy my life is. You don't know what I came here with. I want to tell you that he's a great potter. He's attracted to dirt. He's attracted to mess. And he can put his hand on the inside. See, what I love about potters is this. They put their hand on the inside. Then they put their hand on the outside. And they begin to mold it. And they begin to, I'm wondering if I have some people that's on the potter's wheel right now. And saying, Lord, just mold me. Lord, just mold me. It hurts, but keep on molding me, Lord. Keep on molding me because I want to be a vessel fit for the master's use. What are the three things that we can take away from our text? Point number one. Jesus is asking you a question. If you want to know what your family's vision is, watch it. Because in the text, he takes out two families, right? He takes two sets of brothers. He calls these brothers to be on mission. The church is a family of families that are called to be on mission. Jesus builds us for victory. But what does that mean? How do we flush that out in our life? Point number one, Jesus is asking you a question today. And who do you say that he is right now? How many would say he's a provider? Come on, right now, if you would say no, I'm believing right now, God, you, you're Jehovah Jireh. I'm wondering if I have some confused people in here that would say right now, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the Lord God, my peace. Lord, I'm not talking about what you were last week. I'm not talking about what you are next week, but I'm talking about right now. You're Jehovah Shammah. You're right here. I'm wondering if I have some lonely people in here. I want to encourage you that he is the one that will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's the one that will keep on holding you. Wherever you are, he is a God who is transcendent, but he's almost imminent. He is always right here with you at all times. You have to say, Jesus, who are you to me today, right here, right now, in my marriage, with my children, in my family, in the workplace, in my neighborhood? Lord, who are you a mind regulator? Is he a bridge over troubled waters? Come on now. Who is he to you right here, right now, today? You have to answer the question, Jesus, who are you to me right now today? Point number two, if you want to understand your family's vision, you have to answer this question. Has God the Father revealed God the Son to you? <laughs> you can't do it in your own effort nor energy. <laughs> your theological hermeneutical muscles won't help. It takes the grace of God. I wish I had somebody to help me today. Oh, it takes the grace of God to open up your eyes to be able to see the glorious gospel. It takes the grace of God to send his spirit to open up your heart to understand the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only the Father being merciful, only the Father being faithful. It is only the Father extending his hand. It's not by you having your own effort nor your own strength, for by grace we 
are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about your intellectual and theological abilities. It's about you getting on your knees and saying, God, I need you. Lord, I need you, God, more than I need anything. God, change my mind, change my heart. Lord, change my soul. And when you get to that place, when you get to the prayer closet, watch this, because good theology leads to good neology. Where you can say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. You're the only one I can open my eyes, God. Because the word of God can only be applied through the living word. Through the spirit of God empowering you. Watch this. This is the whole Bible. Here you go. Young people, please, chosen, pay attention. I'm going to tell you the whole Bible. Here we go. God lost something and he wants it back. It's the whole word of God. He lost something and he wants it back. And he gets it back through a man. Hallelujah. A man who the whole word of God says, lo, in the volume of the book, it speaks of me to do your will, O God. God the Father, follow this. He gave God the Son so that God the Son would purchase a bride so that the Father would have a family again. <laughs> oh. So somebody would say, you know what? Why, if some young people, especially somebody would say, why do you follow the Bible? Because Adam ran far from God and I was a part of that lineage, but Jesus wants me back. Yeah. He wants me back. That's why I follow God, because he's chasing after me. Oh, how many know in the morning he's chasing after you? Even if he doesn't have to, I love that he doesn't have to. He's providential. And yet, at the same time, he is self-sufficient. It's not that he needs my praise. He is all dependent on himself. He is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because God has selected and decided that before the world ever was, that he is love. So God the Son was loving God the Spirit. God the Spirit was loving God the Father. And these three are one. And out of that love, he decided to say I want to select the people I want to select the church I want to select the people that I can manifest my glory through how many are grateful that God can use you to manifest his glory oh I'm grateful I'm grateful today if you want to know what your family's vision is you need to understand that it takes the father to reveal the son I want you to follow this please the son gives us the spirit why because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be a father to the fatherless. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be a mother to the motherless. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be hope to the hopeless. The Holy Spirit empowers you to be a sister to the sisterless. The Holy Spirit empowers his church, sends us on mission. He built us for victory. He built us for his glory so that communities like 48227 can look at us and say, what must I do to be saved? Point number three. Jesus will build his church. Remember. The church is a family of families. But what does this look like? This is why our men are up under such an attack. Because the devil knows that if I can attack the man, I can attack the family. Watch this. The enemy knows if we have weak families, we'll have weak churches. He knows that. He understands it. So he knows if he can go after a man. So I'm wondering if I have any master's men today. 
I wonder if I have any men who are master's men today. Uh-huh. Not just men, but master's men. I wonder if I have any men today that will say, you know what? I'm not just a man. I'm a master's man. Come on now, I wonder if I got some masters men here. Come on, man, I want you to come down. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, if you know it, sing it. Come on, man, come to the altar if you know it. Come on. for you. I'm grateful for you, the master's men. We will be having a men's meeting right after church. Amen. How many are grateful for the master's men? I'm grateful for a church that are built on men that love the Lord. And I'm so grateful that God calls families to be on mission.